You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are in the middle, maybe at the end. We've done eight weeks of summer stories, rehearing the Old Testament stories in a new way. And we're asking a certain amount of questions for us. Like I said, we're learning and relearning the old stories, and we're not asking, is it true or is it history? I think those are important questions. But when we're talking about how to grow and grow closer to Jesus, uh, those ultimately are... um, a shallow question. We're asking questions like, why do we tell the story? And what is the logic of the story? And what is what does God want to say to us through the story? But I think even a more important question is, is what is God asking of us in this story? Because ultimately reading scripture isn't about us pulling something out for us. It's about finding our place in God's story, finding our place in, in what God is doing in the, in the midst of these stories. We've done Noah, Jonah, Gideon, Tower of Babel, Solomon, Abraham, and Isaac, David, and Goliath last week. If you want to know any more about those and you were not here with us, feel free to go back and listen. We have those on our YouTube and uh, Facebook. But today... And podcast. And podcast. Thanks, Matt. And podcast. Today we're talking about Ruth. So we've been talking about the, the more famous stories and trying to get a new, fresh reading. Uh, Ruth is a well-known story in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, uh, but but not as well known as some of the ones we have. So if you're not tracking or you don't know the whole story, that is totally fine. This is a, it's a small book, four chapters in the middle of the Old Testament. It is one of those ones that gets uh, looked over and left over. Um, but before we jump in, I got a couple things we're going to do. Then we're going to hear the story, a couple points, and move on. I have a question for you all right away. What chore do you think is totally meaningless that you do regularly, that you're like, I don't know why I do this. I hate it. Doesn't contribute anything to anybody's life. Go. Laundry. Laundry. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine. What yeah. Well, like we have house. eight Man, people in our house. So it's <laughs> like, what is the actual point? Yeah. Then no matter how much I try, the mountain just stays. Also, this is going to be a little bit like there probably is a meaning behind it. But bathing, showering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I feel like as soon as I get in the shower, yeah. then a baby vomits on me or <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm sweating because I'm doing something in the backyard or whatever and then I have to shower like again and it where just are seems we going, like, you know? yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Who needs to That's smell me? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. Oh, yeah. Matt, you got one? For me, it's uh, vacuuming. I, I'm a pig and I can live in a sty. <laughs> so like vacuuming, it's, it's actually the one that I like to do the most because it's, don't tell Julianne, because it's the easiest. Yeah. But like, uh, I just don't care at yeah. all yeah. and I can't tell if it's, I can't tell if it's dirty. Yeah. I thought I you were going to say lawn mowing. Like, this what is fine, right? What did you say, Miranda? I thought you were going to say lawn mowing. Lawn mowing? I do hate that, too. <laughs> That's equally hated. I'm just like, whatever. For me, it's making the bed. I'm like, I'm just going to mess it up oh, again. Oh, definitely. But see, I didn't say that one because I, w- I legit don't make my bed. <laughs> so. I've never made beds so much in my whole life. Oh, yeah. Recently. I make it every day because I do these devotionals uh, on screen in my bedroom. <laughs> and so, like, you should see me. Before the camera comes on, two minutes before, I'm scrambling to make the bed. I've never made it so make much. Make your bed like you're going live on and Facebook. I'm like, y'all, <laughs> I'm just going to get in it again. And my kids are going to take man. naps in it, and it is a mess. So that's me. I asked that question because we're going to move into another game. All of this has meaning, I promise. But, like, uh, I got some close-up pictures for you. You guys want to take a guess at what this is? You can guess in Facebook, too. What picture? What Nachos. Is 
Nachos? It looks like... No, it looks like Cinnamon Toast Crunch to me. Close. You know it was cereal, though. It's like Frosted Flakes. Because you love cereal. Okay. I'll, I'm taking the win on that. What's this one? <laughs> what, nachos? Yeah, she said cereal. cereal. Oh, she said cereal? Well, she said Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, dang. You're taking the L. All right. I'm What's this one? on that one? Granola bar. Good guess. Uh, that is a good guess. I got nothing. Something edible. Something Rice? in your garden. Oh, seeds oh. out of like a jalapeno. Yeah, excellent. Uh, oh, why did that do that? Boo. Wow, no, it's really hard <laughs> to tell what it is. <laughs> hey, y'all, it's a bell pepper. You're just going to have to trust me on that wow. one. Oh, oh there I it is. Pepper. That looks like a jalapeno. Yeah. Oh, maybe it is. I win. Said that I, yeah. Oh, there it is. What's this? An embryo. An embryo? Uh, yeah, it does look like an ultrasound for sure. Okay. Or a tit. No, no, it's one of those dust mites. Dust mite? It's a microscopic examination of something. That's all. I this know. one's my favorite one because oh, once okay. you see it, you you like can't you're, unsee you're it. like, oh, how did I not know? I'm ready. It's a nickel. Oh, oh, oh boo! It does oh. have a big gash in it, but look at now you can see the eyes, right? I'm still can't see. It. <laughs> GW is looking at Jeff. <laughs> Who? I think it's Jefferson, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Who's on the nickel? <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Dang it. I thought it was George Washington. Maybe. Is he on the penny? <laughs> Answer <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> if you've got some change in your... Uh, Lincoln's on the, I think Washington's no on the corner. No one has it. <laughs> Washington's on the corner. <laughs> wow. We're off to a good start, everybody. Why did we do that? Those things have everything. The idea about chores, the idea about seeing close-up pictures of stuff, that has everything to do with Ruth. In fact, I think it's the whole point of the whole story. Here is the bad news before we jump into the good news of this. I think it's this. In always seeing the close-up details of our lives, it's easy to lose sight of how any of it is meaningful. I don't know what your day looks like. You get up, try to have some breakfast. Maybe you're corralling kids. Maybe you're trying to get jobs ready. Maybe you're just trying to keep the house tidy. I don't know what's going on. And then maybe you watch some TV, and then maybe you'll get in an argument with someone later, and maybe you'll eat a couple meals, and then it's bedtime. And especially like now, right, where things, it's like I don't even know what day it is half the time. <laughs> it's like how is any of that meaningful? How does that make for a meaningful life? And what in those details, like where's God? Um, how is that contributing towards uh, the life that God's calling us to? And so sometimes we get such a close-up picture of our life. We see all the details, and all the details can be so overwhelming sometimes that um, it's easy to lose sight of how any of that is meaningful. This is what the book of Ruth is all about. I'm going to awkwardly uh, play a video and show you a, a kid's version of the story. And then we're going to pull some points out of that and move into a time of communion. So here is the book of Ruth, four chapters uh, through a kid's video. Uh, here we go. Let's watch it. God's story, Ruth. So part of God's story is about a woman named Ruth. And it begins like this. Ruth lived in a place called Moab and was married to a guy who was part of God's special family, the Israelites. A few years later, though, Ruth's husband died. Instead of returning to her family, which would have been expected, she stayed with Naomi, her husband's mom. Naomi tried to get Ruth to go back to her family in Moab, but Ruth wouldn't leave Naomi, no matter what. In fact, she wanted to go back to Israel with her. Ruth said, 
Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. So they both returned to Naomi's home in Bethlehem. Back then, though, it was hard for women to find work. Usually, they had to be taken care of by their husband or a dad. It's really hard to imagine that now, but Naomi and Ruth might not have even known how they'd survive. At first, to get food, Ruth went to the fields of a man named Boaz and followed his harvesters around. If they dropped anything, even just a piece of grain, she picked it up. This was called gleaning. Ruth worked from morning to night and barely even took a break. Boaz noticed. He told his workers to leave behind some extra grain for her to gather. When Naomi heard about this, she was overjoyed because Boaz was Naomi's relative and what's called a family redeemer. That meant that it was his responsibility to take care of his family. If anybody was going to rescue Ruth and Naomi, it was Boaz. Kids, we have a redeemer too. It's Jesus. He's the one who saves us. Anyway, this gave Naomi an idea. She told Ruth to put on her best clothes and perfume and then go to the place where Boaz was sleeping. Naomi said that once Boaz had gone to sleep, Ruth should lay down by his feet. Now, this may sound like a weird plan, but it was actually really brave. Ruth trusted Naomi and obeyed. When Boaz woke up, he was surprised. After all, someone was lying at his feet. That's not exactly a normal night. When Boaz asked who Ruth was, she said, I am your servant. You are my family redeemer. Now Boaz understood. Ruth wanted Boaz to marry her so that she and Naomi would both be taken care of. Boaz agreed. This was a huge deal. Ruth wasn't an Israelite, but she wanted to follow God anyway. By marrying Boaz, she got to officially be part of God's family. In fact, Ruth's great-grandson was King David, and many, many years later, Jesus, the rescuer, was born into the same family line. Now, because of Jesus, we get to be a part of God's family too. That is the story of Ruth. I'm just going to hit some key points. Uh, Ruth, well, so Naomi is the is the main character at the beginning. And there's a famine in the land. She's from Bethlehem. They go to this other country, and they essentially, they don't like these people, but there's food there. She and her husband and her two sons. Her husband dies. Her two sons take wives in this foreign country called Moab. And Ruth, now the main character of our story, is a Moabite. Both the husbands die. And so Naomi and Ruth are joined together. Naomi decides she's going to go back home to Israel. She tells her daughter-in-law to stay in her hometown because it's going to be hard for her to be an ethnic minority in Israel to find a new husband or create a new family and she should stay. And Ruth does not. Ruth goes with her mother-in-law and tries to make a life. The other thing that you saw there was there's this guy named Boaz. He's a kinsman redeemer or family redeemer. And in this culture essentially, there was someone in charge down the line to make sure land didn't get stolen and, and women, widows, uh, and, and orphans were not taken advantage of or didn't have to live in destitute poverty. And so Ruth, after she figures this out, essentially is the, she's brave. She goes to Boaz and she essentially proposes to him marriage and he accepts. 
the end. They all live happily ever after. And uh, it's a story about these people's lives. They, they, it's a story about details. It's a story about outsiders, these, these immigrants. It's a story about, I mean, God is rarely even mentioned in any of the story. It's just a small picture of some lives of some people that are living, living hard lives. And so you know how I preach, head, heart, hands, or no feel, do, something that God wants us to know with our head, uh, feel in our heart or experience or cultivate, and, and with our hands, something to do so that we can have a holistic faith that moves from our head to our heart to our hands. And, and, and I think what does God want us to know is the first question I always ask. And for me, it's this idea that even when God appears to be distant, God is deeply in the details. Mm. Like I said, God is hardly mentioned at all in the story. The narrator never has God do anything. It never says, and God did this, right? They talk about God sometimes, but God doesn't act in the story. There's no, there's no um, like action that God is doing to try to bring about, which is really rare for a scriptural story. This is a story about nobodies outsiders, immigrants, starving. They used all the tools available to them to just survive. And surprisingly, as I've said many times now, as a book in the Bible, God is rarely mentioned actively doing anything. But what God wants us to know is that these seemingly normal people going through very difficult times, uh, they're left out, they're struggling, they are near and dear to God. That their details, their lives, the ordinariness and the difficulties uh, is close to God's heart. God has a huge plan for their life. Uh, God is behind the scenes of their normal everyday details and working it towards God's purposes and ends. Look how the book ends. Look how it ends. It's a story about a mother-in-law and a, and, and a, a daughter-in-law joined together by marriage. And there's this guy named Boaz. And it's just three chapters, four chapters of just their life and their decisions and what they're going to do and how they try to make ends meet. And it ends like this. Ruth and Boaz have a baby and they called his name Obed and he became Jesse's father and King David's grandfather, right? We did David and Goliath last week, the great king of Israel, the archetype for what the savior is going to be like. These normal, everyday, outsider, struggling people live their life in such a faithful way that a couple generations later, uh, they're the great-grandparents of King David. God is behind the details. And the ordinariness of our life can be holy and dear to God. These immigrant outsiders struggling just to make it become the great-grandparents of King David. And the whole point of this whole book is that the traumas and ordinariness of our lives have meaning. That God is in the details, even when God isn't mentioned. Even when God isn't actively being said to be doing something in the lives of the people around them. And so my question for you all is tell us about something small your parents or your grandparents did that made a huge difference. Maybe it doesn't have to be parents or grandparents, but something small somebody did. Uh, that made a difference in your life. Because we're talking about the details. We're talking about the ordinariness. We're talking about and how impactful that can be. Um, I think <laughs> this is probably going too deep, but something that my grandmother did, my grandma Matney, we would, my sister and I, she lived in Oregon. We would go with her every Easter. Um, and I have talked about this before a couple of times, but when I was small, when I was like three, my biological father left. Um, and then my so anyways, how that ties in is when we would go see my grandma, um, when we were here with my mom, we just, 
my mom was taking care of everything, you know, just yeah. life. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really talk about him that much yeah. uh, because my, you know, my mom remarried and we just, we just had a different life down here. But yeah. my grandmother would always like ask us about him or even pray about him. Like my grandmother was very good about just like praying about people by name yeah. as many as she could remember when we would pray. And so anyways, every year, every year she would continue to ask us about him and to pray, giving us a space to still be able to talk about this part in our life, but also just generally like he was still alive and she still, even though he had left us and yeah. there was bad things that had happened, um, that he was still uh, a child of Christ and, and she prayed for him. Yeah. Um, and it's not his mom, right? It was it his. No, no, it this is your mom's mom. This so is, she's not even related. This is my mom's yeah. grandmother, actually. Oh, yeah. This okay. is yeah. generations, several <laughs> yeah. generations later. Right. Um, but ultimately, it's it, it's yeah. a beautiful story of struggle. But mm. last year, my father, my biological father, sat in this room with us yep. on Christmas Day uh, and did the service with us. Wow. So there's a lot of in between. So I'm just fast tracking that. But ultimately, yeah, it, it made a huge difference. And, and yeah. my perspective of him as a human um, yeah. and not just an at that point in my childhood would have been like an enemy, somebody who left, somebody who did something bad to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it yeah. made a huge difference in but my that life. This woman my that you loved yeah. brought yeah. him up in a caring, compassionate yeah. way. That's and huge. That years and decades of <laughs> praying can pay off and also the power that prayer has for your own heart of just like softening your heart against someone else. That's, that's really cool. Um, mine is um, less... No, no, bring it. But <laughs> for my <laughs> my grandma, I just remember being like four or five, and it was really hard for my parents to teach me stuff. So I'm an Enneagram 8, so 8s are like just frustrated and always challenging and pushing buttons and running in the room and slapping somebody just because it's funny, you know, like yeah. we were talking about with Theo. And not saying he's an 8, but mm. anyways, uh, so... I was just that way, and so, but my grandma just always had, hi, grandma, if you're watching, um, she just always has had a way of just, like, calming me down, being patient, teaching, being with me, and I just remember, I could not figure out how, how to tie my shoes, and I just wanted to throw my shoes, and just never wear shoes, and rip the laces off, or whatever, and I just remember sitting on her back porch, and just... It's okay, just calm, just over and over. I, I mean, that, that's one of my earliest memories, and um, she taught me how to tie my shoes, and yeah. I still tie them the same way, so thanks, Grandma. <laughs> but she just has always had a way of uh, just being really a calming presence yeah. and, and cal bringing peace to my heart. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's yeah. yeah. That's great, and the shoe story, like, is the... A microcosm exactly. of the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just like I can learn how to do this even though I'm really frustrated. <laughs> yeah. If I can stay patient and calm yeah. that I can learn it. That's great. Grandma Frances is the best. Yeah, she is. The one I came up with was my also my grandma. Um so she lived in the Bay Area and we lived here in T Town, Thermalito, and um she always wanted us to call and like, you know, as a kid, like that's the last thing you want to do is like yeah. get on the phone and stop playing and come in and get on the phone at like 630 because, you know, uh, I lived with my grandparents. They went to bed earlier than I did. Um, <clears throat> 
So she and and also like it was long distance. And remember when that was a thing, like even before cell phones and nights oh, and yeah. weekends, it was just like long distance. And so she went out and bought herself a one eight hundred number. And I just remember being really. First of all, I was just taken aback. I was like, I didn't know individual people could have one eight hundred numbers. I thought that was just a business wow. thing. That's um, cool. But then after that, I just remember it being really meaningful for me that like she wanted connection so bad and she wanted to make sure things were going okay for us even when things were hard that like she got a number that I could call her from anywhere in the world even though wow. I wasn't leaving Thermalita I didn't go past Collins and Denny's but I could call her from anywhere in the world for free and like it was just really meaningful for me that like she like spent the money that wow, she did something that I didn't cool. even know you could do and uh, I didn't know you could do that to this day I still I remember like yeah, I was this many years today old. Today, years yeah. old. When you, yeah, you could get your own personal 1-800 number, y'all. T-I-L. <laughs> it was really meaningful for me. So that's, uh, but it's the small things, right? Sometimes it's the small things that just can make a lasting impact, remind us. And I think that's part of, at least in a small way, of what Ruth's about. That the details, that God can be in the details and those can be holy. They can be ordinary, but they can be near and dear to God's heart. And God uses those and, and shapes those into a, a life well lived. Second point, what does God want us to feel or experience based on the story of Ruth? Here's what I'm taking away. Loving kindness, strength of character, radical loyalty. Go on this journey with me. Loving kindness, strength of character, radical loyalty. There's two words that this whole story uh, hinges on, and they're chesed and chayil. Mm. It starts with an H, but you got to get a little ch on it. Get it? Yeah, clear Allergies. You guys say chesed. Chesed. <laughs> Hesed. And Hayil. Hayil. Two of these, these are characteristics that people have that God has, and the story hinges on it. Let's let's get into it. Hesed. You could just say Hesed, but if you want to sound fancy, <laughs> you got to get that loogie going on in there. What the heck said? He is mentioned 127 times in the Psalms alone. It's one of the main characteristics of God. Hesed is a loving kindness or sometimes it's translated mercy, or just kindness, or just love, or loyal love, or covenant love. It's this idea that we are bound together, and so we are going to make sure that this relationship is built on a love, and a kindness, and a mercy. Yeah, if I were to uh, kind of sum it up in three, it would be loyal, kind, loving. That's what chesed is. And in our story, God, Boaz, and Ruth are all described to, to, to said to be have have chesed. You know what I'm trying to say there. They all have this characteristic. And this is what the story hinges on. Chayil. Yeah? You guys are ready for a more Hebrew lesson, huh? Proverbs 31 is this famous proverb. And it has a, be, it has a poem in it about the ideal wife or the ideal woman. Um, and so Chayil uh, is this poem that they said over women. And, and Chayil means kind or generous or hardworking or successful. Uh, oh, this is the poem. The poem about the ideal woman is that they're kind, generous, hardworking, successful, and runs a business. And, and this poem is called the Eshet Chayil, or the woman of valor. It, it, it's this Jewish phenomenon. Husbands sing this song over their wives every Friday night. They sing this, this proverb song, Proverbs 31, the Eshet Hayil, about how great their wives are, which wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Have your husband sing your song every Friday night in front of the whole family about how wonderful you are? Uh, not going to happen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. Jewish women shout this to each other every time one of their, their female friends has a milestone. So if they graduate or they get married or they have children or they start a successful business or they buy a house or something like this, these women would shout this to one another. Still to this day, right? You're a woman of valor. 
It's kind of like, you go, girl. You go. That was my um, <laughs> New Year's resolution was to stop saying that to myself. <laughs> uh, Ruth is the only woman in the whole Bible to be called an Eshet Hayil. And she's a Moabite woman. She's not even from Israel, right? And yet Boaz calls her this, this, this woman of valor, this woman of honor, this, this, this woman of strength and leadership, this woman of power. In fact, the, the Greek translated the, the gunes dynamis, which is like a dynamic woman, a powerful woman. And Ruth is called this, right? A Moabite woman. Look at all those exclamation points. It's a big deal. And so Boaz is also said to be a man of Hayil which in this story means that they're compatible. They have the same kind of temperament. They have the, they have the same worth ethic. They have the same leadership. They're success. He's, he's a person of principle. He's a person of character. He's the, he's the type of guy that eats the same meal every morning before he goes to work, and he's there a half hour early, and he's working everyone under the table, right? The whole story hinges on these two characteristics, Hesed and Hayil, this loving kindness and the strength of character. When Ruth essentially asks Boaz to marry her, he replies, here's our scripture. Boaz said, may you be blessed by the Lord, Ruth. You have acted with even more hesed than you did at first. And now don't be afraid. I'll do for you everything you're asking. He's saying yes to her proposal. Indeed, my people know that you are Eshet Hayil, a woman of valor. Do you see, right? I mean, just in these two verses, we see these characteristics hinged. Hesed Hayil. You they, go, girl. You, they are virtues that we should be cultivating in our lives, that the, power, the Holy Spirit should be working in us. Fiercely loyal, loving kindness, that's said. that isn't only when we can muster the strength, that isn't a one-time thing, isn't only to the people we like, but it's part of our character all the time, a principle that we live by, honor, value, valor, strong, powerful. These are the, the characteristics that God wants to work in our life that we see modeled in Ruth, that we see modeled in Boaz, that we see modeled in God. Our chesed is hayil. Our love is strong. And so my question, that's what God wants us to feel. I want you to tell me about someone in your life who has a strength of character, principled, but also is very loving, loving kindness, uh, maybe gentle. Could you think of anybody? Go um, for it. I'm, I can go first. Go for it. Um, I, I feel like I always bring up examples in my family because I've had strong family examples of this. So I'm trying to think of a friend. And the friend who's on my brain right now is uh, Ryan, Rayom. And Ryan, if you're watching, he, he shows love in a different way. He just loves to joke and laugh and have fun and play. And if he knows any game, he wants to show you a game that he learned how to play and uh, he just he is fiercely like loyal and wants us all to get together in a room. Well, not during this time, but other times before this get together in a room and just learn a game or have fun together. And he's the guy who plans the parties and just like that's how he uh, just loves his friends, but also has extreme strength. Like he just he's like an incredibly hard worker. Um, and he does, he's always done incredibly hard jobs, um, from working in the emergency room and now working in the jail. Like he's just, he's got a grit that I really admire. And for someone who has so much grit in their work ethic, uh, but then also can have so much fun on the weekend and then, you know, the evenings, uh, cause usually I I've noticed that people that work so hard and have such difficult jobs, they're kind of like 
grumpy and moany and like just like you know drinking extra at night and just like kind of life is kind of like just a cloud over it and he is not like that at all he's got joy he loves to laugh and have fun and i was thinking the other day man i like i miss that guy because you know um for him he's working uh, at the jail so you know they're trying to quarantine as much as possible and just missing him and just like some of the strongest belly laughs i've ever had is because of ryan so it's just somebody, somebody who's like got that really cool work ethic, the really amazing and admirable, but also just wants to get everybody together and yeah. on the same page. I agree. So I think Orion. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I'm just thinking about all my grandmas, honestly, today, <laughs> apparently. Um, but yeah, again, back to my grandma, my grandma Matney. She was definitely um, strength and, and love and just had some... Yeah, some true grit. She she worked. I don't ever remember a time in her life when she wasn't working. She was always cooking. Yeah. Uh, she had this little restaurant. She didn't own it, but they like renamed this restaurant in the bowling alley after her and put a little sign up that looked like a character caricature yeah. of her. Cool. Um, but she just yeah, she was she was always doing the thing, and she didn't know didn't know a stranger at all. I mean, everybody was a part of her family. Everybody was. Um, was loved and again like she would pray for people by name even people that she like just met yeah and for whatever reason would feel the need to tell her about something that happened in her life and i'm there were several occasions where where she's just like praying over this person she met five minutes ago in the elevator (laughs) i just think like she is the greatest like uh example i have of um of unconditional love yeah that's great what an example yeah, I struggle with this question because I feel like people either fall to one side or the other, right? They either have, they're very strong and they have a strength of character, but they lack in that love and kindness. Yeah, or they're very exactly. they have a lot of love and kindness, but they lack in strength of character. And so, yes, I uh, and I don't. I'm trying to figure that out. So um, I don't have someone that comes to mind, even though I came up with a question last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm trying to div- cultivate it in my mind. And you can't son. say yourself. I'm n- I don't think it's me. I think I'm a big softy <laughs> pushover half the time. So, uh, yeah. But this is the kind of quality that God is trying to get us to cultivate in our lo- in ourselves based on this story. That we would have the strength of character, that valor, that honor, that, that, that power, but also that loyal, loving kindness that God so deeply has for us manifested in the people around us, especially for those who are on the outskirts, the the last, the lost, and the least. Last point, what does God want us to do with this story? The story of these immigrants, these outsiders trying to make their way in this world. Uh, I think it's this. I think there's some freedom here. Guided by God and Chesed and Chayil, right? This loving kindness, strength of character. God wants us to know that we have freedom. We have a lot of freedom. Right? This is uh, St. Augustine. He lived in the 300s and 400s, uh, one of the most brilliant minds in the church. Um, I, I have some, we, there's people that have a lot of disagreements with him, but at the end of the day, I mean, brilliant. It shapes so much of who the church is and what the, what the church believes. And in his seventh sermon on, on the book of First John, he has this line that has been famous that has come down to us 1,700 years later, and, and he says this, Love and do what you will. That when you're guided by chesed, this loving kindness, when you're guided by chayel, this, this strength of character, this, this valor and honor, um, that you, you have freedom to move about the world. 
and to do what you will, as long as it's guided by love. He doesn't say, do whatever you want, God will love you anyways, and just figure, you know, he's saying mm. that if love is the guiding force, this, this, says, this chesed love, right, this, this love of God and this love of neighbor, then you have freedom to do what you will. Sometimes I think we get wrapped up, or maybe, I don't know, especially times like this, it's like, what is our calling? And, and I think sometimes we have this picture that maybe someday we're going to stand before Jesus and he's going he's gonna to lay out the table and he's going to go, this is what I had for you and you missed it, right? You were supposed to be a, a, a garbage man or something and you ended up becoming, I don't know, <laughs> or you were supposed to be, or you were supposed to live in this city or you're supposed to do this job or you're supposed to marry this person, you're supposed to start this business, you're supposed to get this degree and you didn't listen to me and so you messed the whole thing up. That is not the picture we get of God at all in the book of Ruth or most of scripture, to be honest. I, I put sword fighter there because there was one time when I was, I don't know, 18, 19, and I was struggling with what I'm supposed to become. And I remember just telling my pastor, I was like, what if I was supposed to be a, like a really great sword fighter? And I just mm. was born at the wrong time. Like God can do something uh. like that. And the pastor was so smart. He's like, don't you think it would come out in a different way? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, if you were re- supposed to be really good at sword fighting, He's like, how good at, were you at boxing in high school? And <laughs> yeah, I was like, MMA zero good, <laughs> like not good at all. <laughs> like kids would pick me so that they could beat me up in front of all their oh, friends. Man. If you were born in medieval times, you'd have been dead by 30. <laughs> at least 30. Sure. That's old. 20, 20, that's yeah, like grandpa right? that's level, bro. Point. Me too. So I'm not <laughs> judging. I'm just saying we'd be dead by now for sure. But it was just, it like tapped into this question of like, am I going to miss it? Like, am I going to mess this up? Am I going to make the wrong decision? And that is not the picture we get of God at all. We, the picture we get of God in the book of Ruth is love and do what you will. Like most of God's will for us is to love, our, love God with our whole self and love our neighbor as ourself, right? And if we're doing that, 99.9% of the time we're doing God's will. We're following Jesus. We're doing what God has asked of us. You, you're not going to get to the end and God's going to say, I can't believe how bad you messed up. God's going to say, I'm so glad that you belong to me, right? I'm so glad that you were with me in this. Our story has three different characters and they each approach the world in a different way. Naomi thinks God's punishing her. I really want you to read the story. Four chapters, it'll take you 15 minutes. Ruth, one through four. She thinks God is punishing her because her husband died and she's just struggling so much. She goes home in depression, like literal depression, and she's just going to try and survive and, and try and survive the trauma that she's been through. And we see God bring her hope, and we see that God honors her life and the actions that she makes. Then we see Ruth, this young, tenacious woman, go get her, hard worker, immigrant outsider. I mean, she does not fit in in Israel. In fact, the Israelites do not like these, these people. She has zero cultural protections, and yet she is fiercely loyal to her mother-in-law, even though her husband has died. It means moving. She says, I will go where you go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I mean, this is the most famous line out of the book of Ruth. Fiercely loyal. And she gives up her entire self to make sure that this widow, Naomi, doesn't end up in destitute poverty. She essentially proposes to Boaz, which is unheard of at this time, and God honors her life and her actions. And then we have Boaz, the hard worker, principled man, does the right thing day in and day out, great reputation in the community, follows all the religious commandments that he knows, and God honors his life and his actions. And one of the great takeaways from our story is that when we are guided by chesed and chil, this loving kindness and the strength of character, uh, oh, that's what I have in there, God is working in our lives for those for for those who love and choose God's way. God is working in that. Even in the ordinariness, even in the small decisions, that you're not going to miss your calling. 
You're not going to be punished because you didn't figure out the divine plan because God's divine plan is primarily that you love God with your whole self and you love your neighbor as yourself. That you have that said for God and for people and that you have the strength of character to live it out in all the areas of your life. Question, and then we're wrapping it up. How is love and do what you will freeing to you and how is it more challenging for you? Does it feel freeing? If so, how? Does it feel challenging? If so, how? Um, for me, I'm just thinking of a specific time. But So it used to be pretty challenging to me because I think I was really stuck uh, stuck in that, well, what do I do then? Yeah. What, is, what do I do? Yeah. And feeling so overwhelmed, especially like, especially with social media and being a comedian or whatever, like it just feels like there's so much to do. How do I choose the right thing to do? Yeah. Um, but I found grace in it in the last couple of years that it's like if my if I love people, if my core desire is to love people, then no matter what I do out of that, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And where I really found grace and where I like to just kind of cast that grace out on other people is like – is in the small stuff is in like you know we can't we all need to be conscientious of i don't know global warming uh, how we vote things like that you know whatever like everybody needs to but ultimately there's a lot of grace in it because if 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 your decision is based on your love for other people um then it's going to be okay no matter uh you know whether you whether you plant a garden or whether you go to the grocery store like however you get your fruits and vegetables it's going to be okay yeah if your root desire is is love and loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah, that made any yeah. sense, but um, yeah. Well, sometimes we broaden neighbor to be like global because we live in a global world, but sometimes I think that Jesus is being intentional that like if everybody just loved the person next to them, we, it would be a global impact, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of a both and maybe. Um, for for me, it's like, yeah, it's, um, it's freeing in that it kind of makes things simple. And I'm kind of dumb, so it just kind of <laughs> simplifies it of just like if I'm whatever I'm doing, if I'm doing it in love, then I'm in the right pathway, you know. And Jesus is like pretty clear about how you love and like the commands of love. And he's talking a lot about love. And so um, that would be another thing is, is if you don't know much about what Jesus talks about love, you might check it out um, in the word. Um but if you're immersed in that, you know what love is and patient and kind and, you know, and all that, um, then it makes it kind of easy. What's challenging is uh, sometimes if I don't have direction, I get super frustrated. And I'm just like, can you just give me, like, a battle plan? Like, I- I'll do whatever I'm supposed to do if yeah. you could just, like, I, I just want a list. Yeah. And lists are just easier to check off the boxes. Yeah. But, um God doesn't always do things in lists because for him, I, I really believe the journey is like yes. a big part of what God wants us to have. Yes. So like um, I think even Jesus struggled with, uh, are, are you sure this is the exact <laughs> thing that you want me to do here? Uh, even he, at the, you know, you could take this cup from me, right? Like I don't have to get tortured to death. Um, and, and so it is kind of frustrating sometimes if you don't know exactly the actions to take. Yeah. Um, so it is freeing and challenging. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to hit at. It's freeing in that you're not going to mess this up, in that there's not one thing that God expected you to do at this one time and you missed it and that's the end of it. I do think God has particular callings for us that we needed, but by and large, it's very freeing. You're not going to mess this up. But how it's challenging is that 
it, like you said, it, it's now I have to cultivate that strength of character. Like well, before, if God just said, here's something I want you to do, I could muster up enough strength to try to do it. But God is not giving me a list to check off or a task to complete. He's asking me to cultivate a, a character trait of yeah. loving kindness that happens in all of my relationships. That is so much more challenging. A lot more work. And so it's not like, I, I imagine like a bear. You know, bears can run really fast for a short amount of time. But mm-hmm. God's asking us to go on, on a marathon, right, of, of loving kindness. Right. I can muster up a lot of love in a short amount of time. Right. But how to develop that character. And Matt? bears are my spirit animal, so that, <laughs> that I totally identify with. Aaron says in her book, An Altar in the World, uh, Barbara Brown Taylor says she asked God what her calling is, and God said these words to her. Do what you please and belong to me. When we belong to God, then everything else will fall in place, and ultimately we will end up doing the will of God, loving God, and loving others. Thanks, sir. Amen. That's a good word. Summary of this message. What does God want us to do with our head or to know? God wants us to know that, that our lives, even in the difficulties and the ordinariness, is extremely meaningful to God. And God is with us, especially in the details, that your life has meaning, even when it feels hard when you see all the details up close all the time. And with our heart, God wants us to develop and let the Holy Spirit cultivate in us a chesed and a chayil, a loving kindness and a strength of character that is strong, powerful, brave, honorable, and has valor. And with our hands, God uh, invites us to love and do what you will. That if you are guided by that chesed and chayil, that you will be fulfilling God's will for your life by and large. There may be times where God calls you to a certain thing, certain place, but you're not going to miss it if you're living your life with these character traits found in Ruth. Uh, my spiritual practice this week, don't look at that. It's to read the book of Ruth, one through four, 15 minutes. Make it happen. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this story. Thank you for Ruth, Boaz, Naomi, their witness to you, the way that they move about their lives, the way they witness to your work in their lives, and the ways that you have used their ordinariness their, their um, I don't know, these nobodies from nowhere going through difficulties, the way that you've used that to shape the whole world. That their grandchildren and great-grandchildren become King David and then 30 generations later, Jesus is born. That Ruth is the great-grandma times 30 of Jesus. And because of him, now we are included into your family. That the Holy Spirit is in our lives working this very same chesed and hayil, the, the strength of character, and this loving kindness into our lives. Lord, would you help us experience those character qualities from you? Would we feel your love this week, your kindness this week, your mercy? And would you help it to grow us and to shape us so that we can walk in freedom with you, towards you, for you? And we will give you thanks and praise for the ways that you were moving in our lives. Father, now as we come to a time of communion, is a time of gathering around the cup and the, and the bread. Would you use it as spiritual nourishment for us to help us to grow, to help us to move towards you and towards one another, to help love grow in us? Lord, would you use the elements to be a vehicle for your Holy Spirit? That as we come, that we would meet you here, that we would anticipate and expect you to be present in this, in this ritual that we do. And Lord, now we pray together with one voice the Lord's Prayer. 
Pray with me, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us.